Leading Ideas Talks podcast is brought to you by the Lewis Center for Church Leadership of Wesley Theological Seminary in Washington, D.C. Subscribe free to our weekly e-newsletter, Leading Ideas, at churchleadership.com slash leadingideas. Leading Ideas Talks is also brought to you by Theology of Stewardship and Biblical Generosity, a video toolkit designed to nurture the spiritual discipline of giving. This resource may be used in conjunction with an annual stewardship campaign or in a variety of Christian education settings, both for groups and self-study. Learn more and watch an introductory video at churchleadership.com slash biblical generosity. And remember... To stay up to date with the latest church leadership strategies and information, please like and subscribe to this channel and click the bell icon to get updates for new videos. How does our faith influence our relationship with money? In this episode, we speak with author and teacher Callie Picardo about stewardship, gratitude, and how creative partnerships can expand ministries. Welcome to Leading Ideas Talks, a podcast featuring thought leaders and innovative practitioners. I'm Jessica Anschutz, the Assistant Director of the Lewis Center, and I am your host for this Leading Ideas Talk. Joining me is Callie Brooks-Picardo, the Vice President for Development at United Theological Seminary and co-author of Money Talks, a biblical take on earning, spending, and giving, which she wrote with her husband, Welcome, Callie. I look forward to our conversation about Money Talks. Jessica, thanks so much for having me today. I'm looking forward to it. In the introduction to Money Talks, Callie, you ask a significant question. How does the subject of money in scripture apply to our everyday lives? Well, it applies a lot. I I love the fact that God loves us from the point we were before we were born to the our afterlife, but he also cares about our life here and now on earth. And that includes our finances. There are over 2,300 verses in scripture, specifically on money, possessions, and not just on the giving piece, but also on how we earn our finances, how we save and how we spend it. I just love that God loves us so much that that is very much a part of scripture and a significant part of Jesus's teaching throughout the parables and the teachings and what he passes on to the disciples. There is just a treasure trove of resources in the Bible when it comes to our use of money. How are we as Christians called to be countercultural when it comes to the pursuit of money? Gosh, I feel like we're called to be countercultural in so many areas, but this is one of those areas that I feel like often Christians just look like the rest of the world if we're not careful. And some of the practices are actually similar, you know, paying down debt often looks similar the world's way as it does God's way. But I think it's often from a different heart perspective. I think the heart is the key in the financial piece. God doesn't really need our money, but he wants our heart. And because the two can be so easily linked, I think that's the big part is starting with where is your heart in this? So for instance, on saving, you know, it's good to save. That's a general world principle that I think most people would agree on. But if we get to the point where we are hoarding and money becomes our idol, 
then in that place of our heart, it's taken a seat above where God is. I mean, sometimes I've heard the question, what gives you more fear if I told you God is not real or if I told you there's no money in your bank account? I mean, if I'm honest, oh, if someone told me your bank account is empty, I would start freaking out. If they said God's not real, I'd, I'd have to start doing some soul searching. But it, the the no money in your bank account gives me a heightened sense of panic. So doing it from God's way where the heart is not about hoarding, but you're also diligently saving. And it's not a prosperity gospel because I've seen some Christians go that way. Well, if you give to my XYZ ministry, God's going to bless you with a Mercedes Benz because all Christians should be driving fancy cars and living a high lifestyle. And that's not in the Bible, but there are people who have wealth. But also I've heard others say, you know, if you're following God, you should just give it all away to the poor. And God does call some people to do that. That is a possible call on your heart. But God also, there are people that have wealth and use it for the kingdom in scripture. So it's having that right heart perspective and letting God lead you. I I so appreciate having the heart in the right, in the right place and focused on the right things. In in the world today, and especially in the United States, a lot of the congregations are really struggling and they're struggling financially. What words of wisdom do you have for church leaders in the midst of the struggle so that they can avoid chasing money or idolizing money um, or, or, or even uh, hoarding money? Honestly, a lot of the things that apply to individuals just then you take it a step further and it applies to the church. And so a big piece of it again goes back to the heart of the leaders. I'm a firm believer you can't take somewhere someone somewhere you haven't been yourself. So for leaders to be with their own finances, stewarding it them wisely and having that heart with God right, then helps them lead the church in those ways. Because the temptation, especially when funding is tight, to turn to a scarcity mindset. And we forget God is a God of abundance. God loves us. God loves the church. The God chose the church and all of our brokenness to be his vessel for taking the gospel to the world. And so diligently stewarding those resources, but not letting it again, become all about the world's way of doing it. Again, they're those good principles but it's seeking God first in prayer. I mean, I've been a part of nonprofits and churches where the finances were a mess and we had to figure out how do you shift those? And so the first thing we did was we started with prayer. Um, it's that quote, you know, work as if it all depends on you, but pray as if it all depends on God. So we really took it to prayer first but then let God lead us as we started putting in place those financial principles. Let's get the budget in order. If more is going out than coming in, that needs to stop. That cannot go on forever. Then start saving up money at a little bit of an emergency fund, but also making sure you're being generous because the church has a tendency to say, okay, let's, we got to focus on keep the light bill paid and the salaries paid. And then they cut out all the money for ministry. And I would argue if your church is struggling financially, go out with a bang. You know, if your if your church is going to close in a few years, might as well spend it all on ministry, you know, doing it for the Lord. And then if you're going to close, hopefully some more people know Jesus in the meantime. But 
what might also happen is then people start knowing Jesus and start coming and then God starts moving. And so it's, it's having that, that tension of, I've got to be a wise steward, but also not just trusting on our own wisdom from the world, but also leaning into God, still being generous, putting in practice, those wise financial steps, but also encouraging generosity I mean, I have seen so many churches waste that time of offering and say, okay, now the ushers are going to come forward. Like what, what, tell them, what is God doing? What is going to be the impact of your giving? It's a perfect opportunity to say thank you to those who are giving and to say, Hey, because you're giving, here is what is happening. God is moving. And here are the ways how um, to be able to share, because no one wants to give to a sinking ship. When you say, hey, if you don't give, we're going to have to close the doors. Um, okay, if y'all are closed, then I need to find another church. But if you're saying, hey, here's the ministry that's happening. Here's the opportunity. I want to be a part of that. And there's some creative other things churches can do through partnerships and building relationships where funding's tight. But it really starts with that, again, heart for God. Absolutely. And what a powerful reminder uh, to, to invite people to join us in the mission and ministry and the work that God is doing, not only in our church, but in our communities through our congregations. And in Money Talks, you note the anxiety that comes around money. And you shared earlier in our podcast, some of the anxiety of that thought of there's no money in our bank account. How can church leaders address this anxiety and lead others to be less anxious? I think, again, it starts with the leader yourself. You know, I do a lot of prayers of surrender in my life. Uh, and God was reminding me just yesterday in church that he said, Callie, if you trust me with your eternity, you can trust me with today. I said, all right. <laughs> God, I trust you that you're big enough to handle my eternity, my afterlife, but why can't I just trust you today? And so for me, I'm a journaler. So often I will write down, okay, God, I surrender to you and I start writing it out. Or another powerful practice that one of my mentors taught me is to have your hands open in front of you and just imagine in your hands, everything that's in your mind and visualize it coming out of your brain and into your hands. And then imagine God's huge hands that can hold the whole world. You know, he's got the whole world in the ha his hands, that little kid song that, you know, imagine those big hands are underneath yours and then slowly turn your hands over and place all of those things into God's hands. And that is a practice that I have to do many times a day because often I try to take those things back from God's hands and put them back into my hands and start worrying about them. And so anytime I notice myself getting anxious, that is my cue that I've, I'm dealing with something that I need to surrender to God again. Uh, God's given us our emotions for a reason. They are a gift, but if we let our emotions lead us, it's not going to end well. They are really, for me, more of a trigger to say, okay, why am I anxious right now? What do I need to surrender to God? And by starting to name those things and surrender them to God, whether they're financial, whether they're work, whether they're family, whether they're the people we are caring for and shepherding, Putting them all into God's hands helps us take on that, oh, that peace that surpasses all understanding that God promises to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. The importance of placing our trust in 
in God and, and surrendering to God's leading in our lives. I think that's a powerful reminder and you're exactly right in that we have to remind ourselves not only of that once a day, but oftentimes <laughs> many times a day. Yes. In thinking about the scarcity mentality that so many of our churches have right now and are and the fear that comes with such a mentality and the worry around um, not having enough or squandering our resources or holding on to our resources and saving them for a rainy day when today might actually be that rainy day. Um, how can we help church leaders move from the mindset of scarcity to one of abundance? I think the biggest thing is turning our attention to what we do have. Um, so, you know, that practice of surrender is so powerful, but also the practice of gratitude and giving thanks. Um, that is one of the quickest ways I can help myself move from a scarcity to an abundance mindset is to start listing off the things that God has blessed me with. And, you know, if you're, if you're thinking, you know, I've got a building now, it might be that the building needs a new roof, but God, you've blessed us with a building. You know, we have heat today. It might've gone out yesterday, but it's back on today and praise <laughs> the Lord. We have heat, you know, whatever it might be. And just starting to list out what you do have can shift you from that scarcity mentality to the abundance mindset. You know, it might be that you don't have as much money in the bank account as you wish, but God, thank you for what we do have. I love the story of where Jesus takes the five loaves and two fish and he breaks it, blesses it, and he gives it to the disciples who are then distributing it. And I always forget about the leftovers. There are basketfuls of leftovers. And, you know, when we practice communion on the night that Jesus prayed, he took the loaf of bread, he blessed it, broke it, and gave it to his disciples. We have God given to us. So, you know, even when we feel like we don't have a lot, we just got a couple of loaves of bread and a few fish, you know, by giving them to God and saying, okay, God, here's what we've got. What do you want to do with it? In God's hands, God can do miracles. And so we trust a God who does miracles. And we also have the power of the Holy Spirit when we accept Christ. And so, you know, we are not working in our own strength. We have the power of God within us, God who can do things in ways unseen that make no sense. And so it is truly moving to shifting and saying, what do we have? God, what do you want to do with it? And honestly, when we were at a church in Lexington, Kentucky, my husband was the pastor of a church he'd started. We were downtown urban campus. Um, when we had more people come, you know, typically at churches, when more people come, that means more money. When we had more people come, that meant there were more expenses and they were typically people who financially could not give. And so we were growing, but not growing with those that could give, but God had blessed us with a building and it was right across the street from an elementary school. So we wanted to do outreach with the elementary school and we didn't have the financial resources to do it. So we said, God, what are we going to do? And the Lord um, provided a nonprofit that wanted to do an after-school tutoring program. And we said, great, we have a basement full of classrooms that were once filled that no longer get used on Sundays or throughout the week. And so they took over the downstairs. They remodeled it with their resources and started an after-school program. 
Then there was another music group that wanted to offer after-school music classes, especially with the school right across the street. So we said, great, we've got an upstairs that is full of empty classrooms. Would you like it? And so they remodeled that space with their money, but were able for free to use that space to reach out. And then we had another church across town, not even the same denomination. I think we were United Methodists and they were Baptists. And they said, um, we want to reach out to our community, but we know folks are not going to come to our church out in the wealthy suburbs, but we want to connect them to Christ. Could we do outreach through your church and connect them to your church? And we said, oh, hallelujah, yes, <laughs> because we don't have the resources, but we want people to know Christ. And so um, it is amazing what can happen when we say, okay, here's what we've got. We've got a space that's in a good location for outreach and ministry. Who are the partners out there who we could work together as the body of Christ? We don't have to all do our own thing. We don't have to start our own ministries. Who is there out there that God wants to connect so that together we can be the body of Christ to the world around us? What a powerful witness to the work that we can do when we work together rather than in our isolated silos. Yes. In Money Talks, you talk quite a bit about gratitude, and you've even mentioned it here already today. How can the practice of gratitude transform our relationship to money? I think it is really easy to pay attention to what we don't have, um, especially when we're looking at the news, celebrities, social media. I mean, everyone is, there's always going to be someone that has more than we do. And we've got the advertising industry that is designed to make you feel like you don't have enough. Because if you felt like you had everything you need, you wouldn't buy their product. And so we have ads, millions every day coming our way that are saying, you need what we're selling. And it makes us feel like we are not enough. Uh, that God has said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So when we, I feel not enough, I go back to that verse in second Corinthians and remind myself, okay, God, I might not feel enough, but God, you are more than enough. And so by shifting the mentality to a, one of gratitude, it starts to just change the atmosphere. Um, again, I have young kids and I learn a lot about God through my kids because so often the things I'm trying to teach them, I'm like, oh, I kind of still need to learn this one myself. <laughs> um, and, but I learned from teaching. So, you know, by trying to teach my kids and perhaps you learn by teaching your congregation or others that you're discipling. But um, I am often have kids that for some reason, they just start whining and grumbling. I know no one else has dealt with that <laughs> with kids before, but mine, for some reason, get in this mindset of how come she has this or why, why did she get that? I've got three girls. And so they're always looking at what the other has. And so if I can catch it early enough before we're not in full meltdown mode, I can start to say, okay, what's one thing that you're grateful for that you do have? And I think the same goes for us that when we start acting like whiny little toddlers, we can stop and say, okay, let me name a couple things that I'm grateful for today. And it truly shifts the perspective from one of that scarcity mentality to the abundance mindset. Because honestly, once we name five, we start to keep going and we're like, oh, 10, 20, I I've got got more than enough. God, thank you. Absolutely. And what a powerful reminder that we begin learning these lessons 
as as young people and we continue to to grow in our understanding of of gratitude as we age in many talks you uh, talk about learning about sort of the practice and use of money and especially about tithing as a young child and often i think in churches when we think about tithing we don't think about teaching about it. Mm -hmm. We think more about practicing tithing. Mm -hmm. So how can we teach children to tithe? And what words of wisdom do you have for adults who aren't yet tithers? Yeah, I think it's something we shy away from because it can feel rigid, but honestly, it's a good discipline to get into. I mean, often the spiritual disciplines are about you know, putting some practices into place that you do regularly. And then by doing them consistently over time, that's where you start to see the spiritual growth. So I am a huge fan of tithing because it is setting aside a percent. So if God increases your income, you're able to give more. If God, if God, if it's decreased, then you're still giving that percent and saying, God, first, before I spend any money, I'm setting aside what my first fruits for you. God, you are my priority. And if you want to grow your faith, if you want to grow your trust in God, try practicing tithing. I mean, it will grow your faith because you'll say, God, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but here you go. I, I'm putting you first. And then it's amazing to watch how the rest stretches. And so this is a practice that my parents taught me when I was a young kid, which it helps the younger you start teaching people because then it, you know, it's income grows, it's not a hard thing. I mean, often people think, well, when I have more money, I'll give. But honestly, when you have more money, it becomes harder to part with. And so when you start with when you don't have a lot, it can grow. And so when I was a little kid, when my brother and I started to get an allowance, my parents would always break out that last dollar so that we had exactly enough to do 10% to church. And so if our allowance was $3, we had 30 cents. So no excuses, it was there to put in the offering plate at church. Now, I'll be honest, often it ended up in the basket near the donuts at church, but it was still going to God, right, Jessica? I think that counts. But then when I got older and started babysitting, I was tithing. And when I got older and had my first job out of college, I thought, oh, this is amazing. I have so much more I can give because 10% on a, an actual salary versus some periodic income and summer jobs, that is a lot more. And it just, you once you get that practice, it becomes exciting because then you're able to do that bigger check. Now, if you have not ever done tithing before, you know, I'd say try it. And if you'd say, gosh, I don't, I don't know. I can't do that. Start somewhere and do that percentage giving because it truly is a way of just saying, okay, if my income goes up, I'm able to give more. If it goes down, I give less, but setting aside a percentage. So if you can't do 10%, what does it look like to start with three or four or 5%? And then each year increase at 1%. I've got a friend from church who started doing this. She's a single mom um, who has fostered and adopted multiple kids. She's got five in her household right now. And she started at about three or 4% and each year increased it to the point where she was given more than 10%. And to those who may have been given 10% for years, I would say, you know, seek God and say, God, is this a season where maybe I bump it up to 11 or 12 or see what it might look like 
to do some giving above and beyond that. I'm a big believer that the first fruits go to the church just because that is your your body of Christ, your way of being um, Christ's presence in the world. But then if you're able to go above and beyond to support other amazing causes in your community, that that can get so exciting too, because then you can give in alignment with your passion there as well. And so start somewhere. Don't Don't say, you know, I can't do 10%, so I'm not doing anything, but pick a percentage because then you're able to adjust it based on your income and then you're able to and do it as your first giving and automate it too. I've, I've gotten into the habit, uh, the bad habits at times where I've been like, hey, you know, our income's fluctuating. So, you know, I'll, I'll do a little bit here and there and then life gets busy and I forget. So if even if your income fluctuates, if you can say, well, it's pretty much at least this amount and then have that automatically being set aside because I know a lot of people don't carry checks, but doing automatic online giving to make it a priority can be a powerful practice. What helpful tips you offer. And I want to remind our listeners that Callie's book that she co-authored with her husband, Roz, is Money Talks, a biblical take on earning, saving, spending, and giving. Callie, I feel like these are topics we could talk about for the rest of the day, um, but our time on the podcast is drawing to a close. So I want to ask you to reflect on your hopes for how money talks and how money can talk, not only in the lives of our listeners, but in their congregations. Yeah, our hope is just that it truly gets to that heart level where the finances change because the heart is right for God, because we're seeking God first with all areas of finance, the way we earn it and rest and have that rhythm of work and rest with God, the way we save it and set aside, but not from his position of hoarding, but truly a way of saying, God, thank you. And setting it aside so that we're able to be generous. So we're able to retire one day. So we're able to save for future purposes and can avoid debt. The way we spend it and do it in a way where we're not wasting it we're not spending it on every latest gadget, but we're truly intentionally spending it in line with alignment with our faith and values. And then we're, we're able to give generously. And when you have a group of individuals doing that, it spills over into the life of the church. So where all the leaders of the church would be on the same page, practicing, practicing this similarly. I've seen churches go through this, the Money Talks book as a small group. We've got um, videos as well that we can share too for free as resources if a small group wants to go through it. I've also seen leadership te teams at churches go through it together because there's something powerful when folks get on the same page with that. I um, made it a prerequisite when my husband asked me to marry him that if he wanted to, we had to go through a Christian financial study together. I know I'm crazy. I just, it, it was important to me. And so we went through it together. Um, but then when the ceiling of our church, part of it was on the sanctuary floor one day when we walked in, those personal financial principles spill over into the church. So my husband was able to say the finance team who wanted to see what kind of loan they could get. He said, well, I wonder if God might want to provide another way rather than debt. And it was just amazing to see how God did provide through some insurance money and through generosity to make a difference. So I would say start with your own living, but then also Take your leaders through this study or a different one. There are others out there too. My, I know ours is not the only one. I happen to be partial because it's a lot of our heart that's in it, but 
Um, I just encourage you, God's word has a lot to say about finances because God wants our heart and our finances are a great tool to grow our faith in God. Kelly, thank you so much for sharing not only your wisdom, but your heart with our listeners today. And thank you for the work that you do. It's been a joy to talk with you. Jessica, thank you for having me. And I just pray it's a blessing to those hearing it today. Thanks for joining us for Leading Ideas Talks. Please like and subscribe to this channel and click the bell icon to get updates for new videos. I've been a part of nonprofits and churches where the finances were a mess and we had to figure out how do you shift those. The first thing we did was we started with prayer. You know, work as if it all depends on you, but pray as if it all depends on God.